Good morning. Welcome to the Ball Things Considered podcast. It has been at least a week since our last upload. So, for those of you who've forgotten, my name is Hush. You might call me Michael. Doesn't matter. Today, we're talking about last night's 2022 NBA draft. Yeah. Whoo, crazy night. Details are still emerging as I record this, but we'll start at the top because it got crazy at the top. I don't want to waste your time. You don't want your time to be wasted. The first overall pick, all lead up long, since even during the college season, so February or March, minimum, the odds-on favorite was that Jabari Smith would go first overall, and that was regardless of the lottery's outcomes. Not only was March Madness still occurring, but the NBA season was still happening. So we didn't know who was going to lose, who was tanking. We didn't know a thing. But Jabari was overwhelmingly like, hey, if you had to pick one, like, it was going to be Jabari Smith. And up until this morning, we were sleeping. We weren't even worried about the first three picks. We had it penciled in. Woj himself tweeted this morning. It's looking like Jabari Smith to Orlando, Chet Holmgren to Oklahoma City, Paolo Bancaro to the Houston Rockets. And then when pick four comes on the clock, we're going to start to think. That did not happen. Paolo Bancaro's odds rose. They flew up. I believe he ended up being a favorite earlier today. And then, lo and behold, to the Magic picked. And so... We won't speculate because it doesn't ultimately matter. It won't change whether they had a change of heart or if they were screwing with people the whole time. Although I don't really understand what screwing with people would do if you were never trading the pick and two and three were never trading the pick and Oklahoma City and Houston are not in your conference. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) They get Paulo Bancaro, the best scorer in the draft, an underrated playmaker. I mean, he's an offensive hub. He is the first option that the Magic really haven't had since Dwight Howard. They've had leading scorers, and they've had guys that they go to, you know, Nikola Vucevic, Vucevic, etc. And even Dwight Howard isn't the type of born and bred scorer that Paolo Bancaro is. So I think they hit a home run. This healthy young man, 6'10", 250 pounds, eats a lot of masticcioli. Um... Yeah, great pick, I think. I had him two behind Chet, and they were kind of one and the other one because they're so different. Scoring matters more than anything else. Paolo scores. Defense is not half the game, and defense is Chet's calling card. So I have Chet one on my board. I'm not disrespecting him, but the Magic play defense. (laughs) They play their asses off on defense already. And a secondary option like Jabari Smith never really made sense other than the fact that they could use more shooters. So getting the guy that fits the best for them, home run. Second overall, we thought it was going to be Chet to Oklahoma City. It was Chet to Oklahoma City. That was the part that didn't change. He's perfect. He's an eraser. He has the potential to be an all-time great top 30, top 20 maybe defender. 7-6 wingspan. I yeah, you guys know about Chet. Skinny is not an issue to me. I think we're overrating the hell out of skinny. We're really letting perfect get in the way of pretty much perfect. Like his only flaw, I mean, 
The guy blocks shots. He defends in the perimeter. He can bang in the post despite his skinniness. He's a dog. He talks shit. He's in the gym every day. He's smart. He can pass. He can shoot. He can handle the ball. The one downside? He looks kind of skinny. I'm not worried about Chet. He's number one on my board. Amazing pick for Oklahoma City. And they'll be fine if they want to lose again, which it seems like they want to lose again. Um, we'll get to them while we're here instead of just going one, two, three, because Oklahoma City is Oklahoma City. They also took a pick at number 11. They have the number 12 pick. They ended up picking at number 11, but they didn't trade up one spot. They just bought the pick outright from the New York Knicks, who originally had the 12th selection. I'm sorry, the 11th selection. So Oklahoma City picked at both 11 and 12. At 11, they traded with the Knicks. They gave them three future-protected first-round picks, all in 2023, belonging to Washington, Denver, and another team that's good that escapes me right now. But it's uncertain whether they will all convey. For instance, Washington's pick is 1 through 14 protected. And there's a very real chance that Washington misses the playoffs, so bam, you're missing that. Um, I believe Denver's is 1 through 18 protected, which Denver's a really good team, but I mean, 1 through 18, like they were pretty bad this year because of injuries. They're as much questions of any legitimate title contender can be found in Denver. So, yeah. They're all in 2023, though, the most stacked draft in a long time. With the 11th pick, the Thunder took Usman Jiang, a forward from France who is playing for the New Zealand Breakers. He is got every athletic tool in the book, all the physical stuff. He's very creative. He could be a dynamic scorer. He is the type of kid who you see overseas all the time. He's a long wing. He's skinny right now. He's... I mean, he's not Bruno Caboclo, but he's the type of thing where you say he's two years away from being two years away. And he might not be four years away, but he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of upside. He's 6'9", and he just turned 19 years old. And he fits really well, considering the last... No, I'm sorry, not the last two picks, but the two building blocks are Josh Giddy and Shea Gilchrist alexander in Oklahoma City. So he's not going to need the ball, but he is fine with the ball. And... Chet Holmgren, big, so that works. Four is exactly what they needed. So that was the 11th pick. And then with the 12th pick, Oklahoma City selected Jalen Williams, who is a wing as well. He's weird. Jalen Williams, it's J-A-L-E-N. There's also a Jalen Williams, (laughs) J-A-Y-L-I-N, this draft class. So Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, University of California, Santa Clara, is the one that they selected He's officially listed as a shooting guard. He's kind of in everything. He's sort of like, and I didn't make this comparison up. I heard it from Jonathan Sharks over at the Ringer. It's like in youth football, you just put the best athlete at quarterback because you want to win games. And even in lower tier high school sports, you'll do that. Jalen Williams, I mean, he's playing for Santa Clara in the West Coast Conference. He's just the best player on the team. And when that happens, you don't say, okay, like, this guy is the best player on the team and one of the best players in the entire conference. Go play off ball because you're 6'6". No, you just run through your best guy like we see happen all the time with like Giannis down to freaking Julius Randle. 
who was the best player on the Knicks, so he averaged six assists and ridiculous usage and was taking all these off-triple shots. Julius Randle is not a point forward, but he was the best player on the team. Jalen Williams is a lot closer. He's not like Julius Randle at all, but it's a similar type of thing. He was a high-usage, do-it-all, did-it-all effectively for Santa Clara guy. He got buckets. He dished assists. He can shoot the three really well. He's got a nice vertical, 39 inches, and a 7'2 wingspan, which is really good for his 6'6 frame. He's a junior, which makes sense from a smaller school guy, so 21 years old. He brings energy defensively, and he can play anywhere on the floor doing anything, which is really nice because Josh Giddy needs a ball in his hands. SGA is a star, and he's going to be used like a star, both in terms of in the offense and in terms of his usage level. So Jalen Williams is a lot closer than Usman Jiang, and if both those guys hit, then that's a crazy forward combo that works with Giddy and SGA and with Chet in the middle. And all of a sudden, four of those guys can shoot um, the four except for Giddy, Gilgis Alexander, Jalen Williams, Usman Jiang, and Chet. Everybody can play some defense, and everybody's long. <laughs> the shortest player would be SGA at 6'5", and that's fine because he's a superstar. So back to the top, Jabari Smith, we know who he is. He went third to the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets had themselves a night, too. They moved all around. Um, we'll talk mostly about Jabari Smith because their other picks were outside of the lottery, a good deal. Jabari Smith was supposed to be the number one pick. He has the highest floor in the draft. I mean, he's got the highest floor of the top three, and nobody outside of the top three is really close. So he's got the highest floor in the draft. He has an immaculately wet stroke. He is... <laughs> Pause. He has dynamic perimeter buckets every which way. He can self-create any shot. He's 6'10". He can take it from the NBA 3, not just the college arc. He did it with very little help and very bad spacing. And so at Auburn, because his center, Walker Kessler, who ended up going to the Minnesota Timberwolves, was pretty tethered to the basket. And so spacing is tough already with worse shooters in college and the smaller arc. So there's questions about his two-point game, but even if that doesn't really develop, he's got legit all-star potential, and that's not a crazy outcome for him. The way we talk about all-star potential is someone like Usman Jiang, but they're not going in the top 10 because that potential is not likely to be realized. Jabari, safe is, Jabari Smith is so safe, and that's why he was the projected number one pick forever, literally. Because especially when the Magic won the lottery, it was, okay, they're the Magic. They can't screw this up the way other teams, not necessarily no one can afford to screw up the first pick, but other teams have the chance to continue to be there and make top selections. Like you think of Oklahoma City's treasure trove of assets and other teams who are on really slow timelines and expect to lose a lot. The Magic are in a weird flux. Franz Wagner was first team all-rookie. Jalen Suggs was a top five pick. Wendell Carter Jr. was a home run. They've got young guys everywhere. Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony averaged like 20 points per game. Jonathan Isaac could be coming back. Chuma Okiki. Mo Bamba. They're everywhere. They're <laughs> legitimately, what is that, like eight or nine deep? RJ Hampton in first-round picks made in the past five years. Like rookie deal guys, they're just so congested. 
So they couldn't afford to get it wrong. The Rockets aren't getting it wrong. Jabari Smith is going to come in. He's going to be a great shooter, and Jalen Green's going to remain the first option, which is really nice because he's got playmaking chops. He just had chip for teammates. Now he's got another year of developed Kevin Porter Jr. He's got Jabari Smith Jr., who's an elite release valve. The Rockets were really, really lacking in shooting last year, and so he does more for them than Paolo Bancaro, which is nice. It lets Jalen Green continue to be the centerpiece, and it also works pretty well with Alperen Shangun, who they really like enough to be the starter. And they moved off of Christian Wood to open up front court minutes, so now it's going to be Alperen Shangun at the center, who's terribly defensively deficient, and Jabari Smith, who is, I mean, if you call him a 3 and D, he's like the best 3 and D prospect, if you simplify it like that in a long time. That's pretty good. Uh, we'll move on. Sacramento Kings. Besides Paolo Bancaro was the surprise of the draft. This, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't call it a surprise because it had been leaked recently that the Kings liked Keegan Murray. They liked Ivy too. They had no qualms about making this pick. Keegan Murray, man. It kind of seems like the Kings are running back last year's roster plus Keegan. And Keegan's underwhelming, but he's pretty good. I'm higher on him than most. We won't drum too long on him, but I will say that the idea that he's got no ceiling is pretty... I'm sorry, not no ceiling in the good way. There's no ceiling for him to realize. He's basically already what he is, is pretty misguided. He averaged 7 points a year ago and then 23 this year once Luka Garza left and all the shots opened up. But he didn't average 7 points a game because he was a backup like Tom Brady. He was a three-star recruit despite being almost 20 years old when he came out of high school. And, I mean, he lived in Florida and he had to come to Iowa because he wasn't getting very many offers. And so this guy's a dog. He's a crazy punch-the-clock worker and he's strong. And you worry about guys who use strength to score in the college level because they won't be able to do that against NBA athletes. But he's got a nice shot. He works so hard. He's a nice defender. He's tall. He's productive. And production matters. He was 50-40. I mean, higher than that. 55-40. I believe 72, which is crazy shooting at any level. On 24 points a game. He produced on the boards with nine of them. He had more steals plus blocks than he did turnovers plus fouls. Steals plus blocks. Those are basically free turnovers, right? For your defense, guaranteed. They stop a possession. Then turnovers and fouls, which are the opposites. That's pretty good. I mean, he's not going to be passing, but that's pretty good. Jaden Ivey went five. Pistons couldn't have phoned this in faster, man. I mean, Jaden Ivey is textbook next to Cade. Cade is the calm, collected, tall can play any position, can score, can be off ball, can pass, can penetrate, can shoot the three. He's the best prospect in a couple of years because of there's nothing he can't do. Jay Nivey, perfect for that. He's 6'4", booming athlete, pressures the rim like crazy, gives you scoring punch, isn't small. He's pesky defender, and he'll be better defending, hopefully, when he's not the sole first option. And... That's just dynamic. I mean, you guys know about Jaden Ivey. Again, I'm not going to drum home as, as much as we need to about all of these guys because you already know. 
He's perfect. Home run for the Pistons. They're ecstatic. When they landed at five, they were punching the air because, oh, we can't get Ivy. Ivy's guaranteed at four. Well, Ivy's only guaranteed at four if somebody besides the Kings is picking at four. So the luck of the draw works out for the Detroit Pistons. They get Jaden Ivy. Number six. The draft really started here because four was either Keegan or Ivy. Five was, I mean, Ivy if he's there. So six, Benedict Matherin, really nice wing for the Indiana Pacers. And he's nice because he works really well with Tyrese Halliburton and he doesn't preclude them from doing anything else. If they end up really high next year, he doesn't play a position where it's, oh, shoot, this guy's like a nice five to 10 range prospect and we just drafted him last year so we're gonna pass on this generational guy with benedict matherin he's so amenable he's a whirling ball of skills is how i described him in my big board no matter what happens in the future he's going to be a fine piece and he's going to be a long-term piece i've got almost as much confidence in him as any other player outside of the top five if not the most that he'll be a second contract player which means the pacers are probably getting a good eight years of either production, cheap production, or both out of him. He's got star upside. Obviously, he's a top six pick. He fits well next to Halliburton, but he also fits well next to Halliburton and Heald at the small forward. He would have fit next to Cade, too, so he could play shooting guard. He was the engine of Arizona's best-in-the-country offense last year as a 20-year-old sophomore. He's pretty nice age. Athlete, can light it up from deep, great at the dirty work. Not really holes in his game, and I'm buying his playmaking chops. Number seven, Portland. I'm so, so happy they kept this pick. Portland traded, I mean, cap space, nothing, (laughs) for Jeremy Grant yesterday. And that really worried me as, oh, no, they're accelerating the timeline because Dame's 31, almost 32, coming off a major injury. And I was like, that doesn't go well with accelerating the timeline. So taking Shade on Sharp, the biggest project of the top 10, and, I mean, biggest ceiling, is such an interesting contrast to picking up Grant, who's in his late 20s and is about to, get a big, about to take a big money extension. Shade on Sharp is about as slow as the timeline as possible for Dame, who's 31, almost 32, coming off of a major injury. And Anthony Simons, who just started to become an NBA player, and albeit, wow, was a very good one, a few months ago. Still, less than six. So, it's a really weird pick, but it's an encouraging one. My stance on Portland pre-draft and pre-grant trade was that they should take this year and all the cap space and the picks and everything that they wanted to do, the amenability and the young guys, hell, they're playing Trenton Watford major minutes. Josh Hart's on the squad now, and I love him. I think he's got a lot of ceiling left to realize. Take a year. They don't have the assets because Anthony Simons is a couple-month wonder, because Nas Little has barely got to play because he's hurt, because Josh Hart only got to show out for 20 games post-deadline. All these things. Yeah, you could mortgage your future and get like OG Anunoby for pick seven, but... OG Ananobi and Jeremy Grant and Dame and Anthony Simons is maybe a playing team, you know, at best in a weak West, which the West will be a little bit weak in terms of depth this year. So take your year, 
play slow, let your young guys be good, and then you say, oh, wow, our young guys are really good. This is the direction of the team. Or, oh, wow, our young guys are really good. Damon Grant are also really good. Now our young guys are worth more than the mystery box that they were in the offseason. So we can swing for a real star. And now instead of Dame and Grant and fringe guys, it's Dame and Grant and James Harden, Kevin Durant. Not actually, but guys who could be on the market or on the market recently. You know, somebody who can actually help you win major games. The Jonte Murray could be that guy. Um, he doesn't put you over the top, though, because of how much you would have to give up. So they'd need to be able to make a big three with DeJounte instead of cash in for somebody like him, if that's the route they go. Eight, Dyson Daniels, perfect fit, I believe, to the Pelicans. Pelicans are running CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, the idea of Zion Williamson, and currently Jonas Valanciunas, who I think they're going to move on from for a better fit. But that's a lot. That's a lot of ball usage. All those guys use the hell out of the ball. So Dyson Daniels a lot like Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, where they come in, they do the auxiliary things, and they just pave the way for the stars to do star stuff. Daniels is maybe the best one through three defender in the class. He's an amazing field guy. He's an amazing distributor. His perfect role is next to somebody like Bradley Beal or a prime James Harden or Damian Lillard. A high usage scoring guard who he can help play the defense for. He can help get open looks for. He can help rebound for. He can help push pace for. He can help take the playmaking load off of. Because as we saw with Bradley Beal and Wall and Westbrook versus Bradley Beal without them, 31 points on good efficiency versus 23, but he's getting seven assists now. Like, you want to optimize your guy. And Dyson Daniels is a star optimizer. It's perfect. I really like that pick. I really like his fit. He's flown up boards. Number nine, Jeremy Suhan. Spurs. Spurs took three players. 9, 20, and 25, so we'll talk about them all at once. Jeremy Suhan is a 1-4 through four toolsy defender. That's his whole thing, is he's a defensive specialist. He's 6'10", 230, so he's pretty nice on the boards. He's super high energy. I mean, he's one of those guys where his head's dyed bright blonde like Slim Shady. He's from Poland. I don't know what that means, but he's got edge to him for sure. He's a legit 1-4 through four defender. We throw that term around. He actually is or will become one for real. He's toolsy. The comps I kept hearing for him that made me fall in love with this guy is Boris Diaw. Lo and behold, look where he comes, San Antonio. Boris Diaw started his career as a shooting guard, by the way. Ended up all the way at like a large power forward. So that kind of shows you the unique skill set, like Anthony Davis growing from a point guard to a power forward because he had a growth spurt. That's a really cool comp. I don't think he is that. I think Boris Diaz is a truly unique player. But that's the type of stuff. At 20, they took Malachi Branham, who, by disparity to my big board versus selection, is the steal of the class. I had Malachi Branham at 8, which is, to be qualified, the highest I've seen him on anyone's board. I love Malachi Branham. He's six foot five and a half. He's like a 19-year-old freshman who started to really put it together every single game, one after the other, towards the end of the season, which I buy every single guy like that, especially the freshmen, and especially the freshmen that enter a class. Because Division One Power 5 Conference basketball is not 
I mean, it's not even the McDonald's All-American game. These guys, most of the college players, people don't realize, are not fellow former high schoolers. They're guys who are 20 to 22 or 23 using all of their eligibility, going Brady Manic style, because this is the peak for them. And they're more developed and they're more experienced and they're more physically developed, which is the biggest thing. So in football, you can't go to the NFL until you finish your junior year because if an 18-year-old went to the NFL, they would just die. <laughs> like literally, football players used to die. Like the headline in a 1947 game would be like, Notre Dame defeats Army 9-6, to kid dies in the third quarter. <laughs> and... <laughs> That's why I buy guys who develop down the line and develop quickly is not just for physical things, but the game takes time. And we see that with rookies all the time too. Anthony Edwards towards the end of his rookie year or Jalen Green towards the end of his rookie year, Cade Cunningham towards the end of his rookie year. Players get better as the game slows down, especially freshman years, rookie years, and second years. I say second-year players shouldn't be qualified for most improved player because, like, duh. Like, you're supposed to take the biggest leap. Rookie year's always going to be the worst year, so it's not really fair. It just would be stupid. A second-year player would win almost all the time, and this is not really what the award is about, I don't think. So Malachi Branham after... I really love Malachi Branham. That's why I'm going long on this. I mean, he's eighth on my board. I really love him. So I'm going to opine. I am going to wax poetic on another guy who's a born and bred scoring guard. He got better every game. 17-4-2 on 53-43-82 shooting splits. 53% field goals, 43% three-point, 82% from the free throw line. And that's what you buy. Like, you can get hot for a 30-game college season or, hell, an 18-game stretch if it's after New Year's. And Malachi Branham, Hooper, bucket getter. I don't know if I said this already, 6'5 and a half, 195 pounds, just turned 19 after the season ended. He's got physical tools. He's smart. He doesn't have the guard skills yet, so he's a pure scorer. He's off ball, which is perfect next to DeJounte Murray. My dream for San Antonio is to get Zach Levine because he's the perfect fit next to DeJounte Murray. Malachi Branham brings a lot of that. He possesses a little bit of promise passing. Um, he needs to, he's got a nice jumper, but the consistency, I think, comes from him mentally a little bit more. He needs to find exactly what he wants to do with it, and he needs to trust it more. He didn't take them as much as he could. He positions himself pretty well defensively, so while he's not a great defender, I wouldn't either call him a bad one. So if he ends up being a two-way scoring guard, would not surprise me, and bam, backcourt of the future for the San Antonio Spurs at pick 20. At 25, the Spurs selected Blake Wesley, who could also end up being a backcourt of the future member. Like these three guys could work with Branham Wesley DeJounte or Branham Wesley and Josh Primo, the youngest player in last year's class who the Spurs reached for like crazy in last year's lottery. Blake Wesley is an absolute dog defensively, and on offense, he just looks to score. He's better out of the pick and roll. He doesn't have the very, very lacking guard skills that Malachi Branham has. So I think he makes plenty sense, that rotation of Primo, Wesley, and Branham. And these selections really help them want, not want to, but 
move on from DeJounte Murray if they want to. And it was reported yesterday, late last night, Wednesday night, I'm sorry, that the, for the Spurs would field phone calls and would need, quote, a Drew Holiday-like package to move on from DeJounte, which meant four first-round picks, including swaps. So that's a lot of Spurs. People don't care about the Spurs as much as I do, but three picks in the top 25. Nobody else did that, so they matter. 10, Johnny Davis to the Wizards. I'm a Wizards fan, but this is just a boring pick. I mean, Johnny Davis, strong, dog, tough, 6'5", guard, but averaged nine rebounds in the Big Ten, averaged 19.7 points, two assists only, and his percentages and efficiencies were weird because he was playing with absolute bums at Wisconsin. His teammates couldn't finish assists, and he had a quote saying basically that after he got drafted, something along the lines of, I can play make, and in the NBA, I'm going to be around play finishers. So he didn't call out his Wisconsin teammates, but he was like, I'm not at Wisconsin anymore, so look at my assist numbers. Like He ball handled like crazy. He put up 20 points despite not really being a true shot creator. He just had to, like I was saying about Jalen Williams and young kids who play quarterback. Johnny Davis was cast into that role at Wisconsin, and he did it so well that he took that lump that sack of could be better all the way to a three seed in the tournament and the big Ten's a nice basketball conference it's no joke he's a great defender he's got a case as like i don't know we throw around best two-way best shooter best this um he's a better defender than jabari smith so jabari smith like if you say a two-way player jabari smith like could have been the first overall pick so it's got to be him but Johnny Davis is a true two-way player. His defense is legit. And in a similar way to Dyson Daniels, except he takes a scoring load off instead of a playmaking load off, he's perfect next to a high-usage scoring guard, so Bradley Beal. He'll help Brad play defense. He'll move around for him a lot. He'll help get him easier looks because he's capable of driving and he can get his own looks, especially in the mid-range. Good pick. He fits with Brad. I just wish that the Wizards would blow it up. And Johnny Davis seems to me to be the touchstone keeping Bradley Beal. Like, we're drafting a guy who doesn't have too high of a ceiling. Johnny Davis is a better ceiling than, say, Rui or Corey Kispert. But we're going to get a guy who's going to keep us in mediocrity. Brad Beal is not going anywhere. $250 million, no problem. Um, picks 11 and 12 were the Thunder, Usman Jiang, and Jalen Williams. The Knicks traded out of 11. That was so complicated. We'll get to it when details fully emerge. Jalen Duran was flowing all around. He was picked 13 by the Hornets, but was reported that Jalen Duran, why at six on my board, I think he's a beast. You can watch about him, look at pictures even about how built that dude is, and you'll see exactly what I mean. He's people comparing to Robert Williams. I don't have a million things to do to say because there's so much and so much is happening um so that happened at 13 and we don't know where that went um a litany of picks has moved around all over the place uh they traded him to detroit allegedly but adam silver announced at the podium that he's on the knicks but what charlotte got back was a first round pick and i believe three or four second picks second round picks um, across various years, and they're trying to unload Gordon Hayward's contract, and Detroit has a ton of space, so it was speculated pre-draft that 13 and Gordon Hayward, or 15 and Gordon Hayward, 
Can we move together to get off of his $63 million over the next two seasons fully guaranteed? Um, with their other pick, 15, they bookended 14, 13, and 15 of the Cavs at 14 with Mark Williams. Mark Williams is the current center until shit goes down, I'm sure. For the Charlotte Hornets, seven foot two, beast of a man, high ass ceiling. The dude just plays center. He was ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He quarterbacked Duke's defense. He's a shot eraser. He's good on the boards. He's got nice footwork, so he's not tethered defensively to the post, which is really, really nice because you can't have stone feet at center anymore. 14, Oshai Abaji, the best player on Kansas National Champions. You probably know about him. Um, 3 and D wing. He got more usage at Kansas than he ought to. That's just the type of thing when you're the best player on a college team. Um, being 22 years old, he's win now. The Cavs had, next to the Kings, the worst wing setup in the entire NBA. They're trotting out Jetty Osman, Dylan Windler, Isaac Okoro, and who knows, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is on the team, but you don't know what that is. And if he's your cemented, unquestioned starter, you got to question the three guys behind him. So Oshio Baji will give them good minutes. Shoots the ball, plays defense. A.J. Griffin, perhaps the biggest fall of the night. He could have gone top 10. Knicks fans were rejoicing when they came on the clock at 11 and A.J. was there. And then when they traded, they were like, what the hell? We just passed on A.J. Griffin and Jalen Duran. A.J. Griffin, if Jabari Smith is not, best shooter in the class. He does it every which way. He creates them for himself. He can do it off the catch. Small sample size, but he came off of screens. Hit them well. He's a good finisher. The problem with him, he's built incredibly strong. He looks like an NFL street character. He's six foot six, really long arms, and he's got slow feet because he sustained some knee injuries. When a guy's not even 19 years old yet, and they've slowed down since their high school tape and lost explosiveness, isn't a good sign. Um, I've seen a lot of boards that had him as high as three. Like, he is a talent. And if those concerns and explosiveness weren't a question, he wouldn't have gotten to even half of 16. He wouldn't have been there at eight for the Pelicans, probably. The Portland Trailblazers certainly thought of him at seven before eight. But I'm guessing NBA teams who bring him in for workouts and know a lot more than we do let him fall. But still, the Hawks get the best shooter in the draft, and even if the other things don't come around, the floor of the guy who has less than 100% of his knees, amazing shooter. That translates when you're that good, and he's dynamic. He, It's hard to compare Jabari Smith's on-ball to A.J. Griffin, who also had to share the ball with Paolo Bancaro, as we talked about, first primary option scorer. It's hard to say, but man, at the very least... Amazing shooter and makes Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari all more expendable and could give DeAndre Hunter an easy forward front court, easy pairing mix, easy pairing mate. And then you've just got to fill out the big spot next to Onyeka Okongwu, figure out who the guard next to Trey is. Hawks were rumored to really, really want the Jonte Murray, and that's still on the table, I'm sure. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. Um, they're interested in potentially Davion Mitchell coming back in a John Collins for number four trade. They need to get a guard next to Trey. They've been sniffing around forever. They sniffed around on Drew Holiday before he ultimately went to the Milwaukee Bucks in 2020. 
So they've been looking, and they're going to get one. And A.J. Griffin helps them do that because he adds an asset where they can move their assets. The Rockets took Tari Eason at 17. Tari Eason couples with Jabari Smith to give them an amazing defensive forward pair. Definitely the best defensive pair of rookie forwards that anybody's going to have in this draft class. Tari Eason, some people think, is the best defender. His main competition of non-centers is Jeremy Sohan, who we talked about went ninth to the Spurs, Tyson Daniels, who went eighth to the Pelicans, and then guys lower. So of the like guys who aren't strictly one-sided or 45th pick, like the guys who aren't Matisse Teibel and Tony Allen, Tari Eason puts in work on defense, and he had no help. Much like I was talking about the Jalen Williams, Johnny Davis role, Tari Eason was very miscast, doing way too much on ball at LSU and still shot, I think, 35.9% from three. So there's a chance that he is a dynamite athlete, lockdown defender, can shoot the three, and is super explosive. He could put it all together with the right, right role more so than anything else from Breach's potential. He's a guy who's not about a ton of reps. Give me the ball, let me get better. He's a guy who's use me the right may use me the right way, watch me grow. You know, what's more important, the foul the flower or the soil that grows it. Man, I'm <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm delirious. This is um if I haven't exposed how the sausage is made already. Very, very late Thursday night. I'm not actually up at five AM recording. Um Tari Eason and Jabari Smith crazy awesome i really like it both can defend their asses off potentially both could really shoot Trey easton pressures the rim so that's really really awesome next to jalen green and alperin shangun who i said needs defensive help on his interior so that could be four out of five positions filled in i don't buy on kpj kevin porter jr but that's a story for another day um we're getting out of the weeds a little bit like the bulls the minnesota timberwolves on behalf of the memphis grizzlies the Spurs at 20, the Nuggets at 21. Like We're getting to the point where everybody throws their picks around. So I'm just going to talk more about what else you might have missed, what else is really cool. And the first and biggest name that pops up, of course, is probably Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was a former top five recruit. Um, I believe top one or two. He might have been ahead of Chet for best in the class. Ultimately, they both got jumped by Shadon Sharp, funnily enough. PBJ went to University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, the Panthers. Very familiar with that school, having lived in Milwaukee for several years. Um, Panther Arena is really cool. It's across the street from where the Bucks and Marquette play. Uh, BMO, Harris, and then the Pfizer Forum. Tiny school, Horizon League. They play <laughs> They play nobody. Like, I don't think they even have a football team. Um, bigger schools don't have football teams like Marquette and shit, but Villanova, I mean, the Big East, that's their whole thing, right? No football. But Milwaukee is not the same. They're a tiny school. He basically only went there because he was from Milwaukee, and his dad, Patrick Baldwin Sr., was given the coaching job, most likely because they wanted his son to go there. Just like Michael Porter Sr. and Jonte Porter's dad, Michael Porter Jr. and Jonte Porter's dad, Michael Porter Sr., got a coaching gig at University of Missouri, and Jalen Brunson's dad is currently on the New York Knicks coaching staff. You know, stuff happens. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. goes to the Warriors at 28, which is... 
How do they keep getting away with it? It does not make sense. They, another home run, like, the way they took Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman and Moses Moody and just don't have to play them, and then when they play, it's like, wow, these guys are good, you know? This is what we expected them to be. I'm happy that they're not taking 20 shots and shooting 38%, and we're calling them terrible, and nothing's going well for them. They can't build good habits. Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to what's tied for the best culture in the entire NBA, if not the, with Miami. Golden State develops their asses off. They've always got these guys like Quinn Cook and Festus Azili who are playing. <laughs> Remember those guys? Um, who's the other guy? Patrick McCaw. Three-time champion Patrick McCaw. Who, they're nothing, but they go to Golden State. They play in the playoffs, and it's like, wow, how do they keep finding these guys? They know what they're doing. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. was a Full-on five-star recruit. People were calling him KD. His stroke is crazy. He can pass pretty well. He's big. He's bigger than you think. He looks skinny, but he weighs 230. He just kind of looks like a teenager. Maybe that's why. Um, home run. Even if he doesn't ever hit his ceiling, which he probably won't. Like They're going to turn the 28th pick into like Danilo Gallinari, who can pass. And like that's top 10 pick value. You got to love it. I mean, you can't, you can hate it because they beat you, but you respect it, man. They're a factory. Speaking of culture, at 27, the pick before Baldwin Jr., the Miami Heat took Nikola Jovic. That's right. Exact same as Jokic, but take a K instead of a V. Take a V instead of a K. Got to call it soon. (laughs) Jovic is 6'11". He's got the big time passing upside because, of course, he does. But he's not a center. He's a small forward. He handles on the perimeter more. He's a huge project. He could be a really awesome player, but he's a nightmare of a defender. He might be better if he started playing with his eyes closed or if he turned around backwards and tried to defend that way, which could be something. You can really put your ass into it. Very high upside. He's everybody's favorite international guy because... The highlights are nuts. You know, he's so much fun. He's like, he's not really like Alexei Pokashevsky, but it's the same type of vibe, and he's better right now. Pokashevsky's three years away from being three years away. You know, he's a rookie extension away from being worthy of the field, or the court. Um, super fun. If anyone's going to develop him, it's Miami. They've got time. They do stuff like that. Remember Casey Okpala? Marjan Bochamp. One of the best stories of the entire draft goes to the Milwaukee Bucks at 24. He's got the potential. A person I really, really trust and love their view of the game, Matt Moderno, over at the Believe in Wizards podcast, really stands on the table for this guy. He calls him the best defender in the class or could be the best defender in the class. And while I don't see it, I could see it. So, you know, when somebody's not wrong, they could very well be right. Bochamp's a wing. He comes from the G League Ignite. He, I mean, his story is crazy. He had nearly quit basketball and then through a series of phone calls accidentally got onto the G League Ignite. Accidentally is a strong stretch, but he's played community college ball. He's literally been homeless. He got evaluated at a random open gym and then people started to be like, where does he play? And it's Yakima Valley Community College after four different high schools. He's 
such a story and he's still young you know despite all of that he's not like Dennis Rodman where he's at community college at age 24 he's young he's got a lot of upside and he can play now the Bucks really need that after losing Dante DiVincenzo at the trade deadline and Grayson Allen not being <laughs> enough so he fills a big hole for them on the wing because we saw what happened when Chris Melton went out. They folded. They won seven games, but Chris Melton ended their season by being hurt. Um, other most significant things, I like Dale and Terry to the Bulls, but I like the Bulls, so that's not necessarily the, the most interesting. I was talking about the Rockets. They also got Ty Ty Washington Jr. from Kentucky, who, if you stick by pure positions, was the first point guard off the board. At pick 29, he's between 6'3 and 6'4. He's might not be a pure point guard, but that might be pretty good considering he's playing next to Jalen Green. And like I said, I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is the answer. Right now, it gives them three super young guards who all fit next to one another because there can all be combination guards. They can all dribble. They can all pass. They can all score off the ball and play off the ball. Ty Ty's got a really high floor, I think. He just plays the ball the right way. He sees it the right way. He was amazing. We were thinking for sure lottery pick, maybe top 10. But then he suffered an ankle injury and was not the same since coming back. And hopefully that's all it is. You know, hopefully he's good. Um, Kentucky was a two seed, but they lost in the first round of 15 seed St. Peter's. Tata had his worst game of the season. Five points, two for 10 shooting pretty trash he had turnovers he had bad defensive possessions all over the place but he's also got the Kentucky record for step for assists in a game 17 took that from John Wall he was forced to play shooting guard because um Severe Wheeler was also on Kentucky and he kind of had to play point guard Wheeler is not much of a somebody right now so he's weird I think he works really well and he's somebody whose name certainly belies their draft position and that could come up huge for Houston. I mean, getting Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, and Ty Ty is... Whoo, they couldn't have asked for more. And they traded down to get Ty Ty, too, with Minnesota, who traded up for Wendell Moore Jr. from Duke. He was the fourth Duke player selected in the first round, alongside Mark Williams, A.J. Griffin, and Paolo Bancaro, which is almost the record. Kentucky in 2010 had five. Um, let's look at the second round real quick. The second round is still happening as I record this, but second round rarely has things of interest. The Lakers bought a selection, the 35th overall selection from the Orlando Magic. They traded a future pick and cash considerations, which you basically can do because there's only so many roster spots that people will just do that. And so they bought a pick because they don't have any. They draft really well, and they've got, I believe, four players under contract. Russell Westbrook's weird, could be five. They took Max Christie, the freshman shooting guard out of Michigan State. I was really surprised Max Christie declared. He's a nice guard. He can score. He's a sound defender. I just don't really get why he came out because he's so young. His shooting was all over the place. Um, it's going to come around, probably, something offensive. But most importantly, and the reason they took him, is because despite being young, he can play now. And the Lakers draft so well. 
What if they find Thomas Bryant late, late, late in the second round, or if it's a Zubats, or Kyle Kuzma out of nowhere, or Austin Reeves this past year has proven to be huge. They get these guys that are nothing, and then it's like, oh, wow, Lakers have somebody who's not worth zero. And they might be the best second-round drafting team out. Maybe that's a little bit of Lakers exceptionalism, but they're as good as these Raptors teams, these Spurs teams, these Nuggets teams, right? So Max Christie, just by virtue of getting picked by the Lakers, makes him a much, much better pick in my eyes. Obviously, it's the Lakers pick, so we had to talk about it. Christie was a high recruit. His name is one of those guys where it's bigger than his actual selection at 35. Other than that, Bryce McGowan's. It's so hard, honestly, for me to even talk about these picks because you don't know who's where. Everything's going to be traded a million times. So I think we're going to leave off with one last look down the first round. You guys already know, and you can look and read like crazy, everybody who's getting taken. So we'll be really, really quick with that. Paolo Bancaro to the Magic, Chet Holmgren, Thunder, Jabari Smith, Rockets, Keegan Murray, LOL, Kings, Jaden Ivey, fuck yeah, Pistons, Benedict Matherin, Pacers, Shadon Sharp, ooh, to the Blazers, Dyson Daniels, perfect, to the Pelicans, Jeremy Suhan, wow, Sohan, to the Spurs, Johnny Davis, meh, to the Wizards, Usman Jiang and Jalen Williams, that declared to the Thunder, Jalen Duran all over the place. Oshai Baji to the Cavs. Mark Williams to the Hornets. A.J. Griffin, steal of a shooter to the Hawks. Tari Eason, boom athlete defense to the Rockets. And then what we didn't talk about as much, we saw Dalen Terry go to the Bulls. Jake LaRavia to the, Men- the Memphis Grizzlies. Malachi Branham to the Spurs. Christian Brown to the Denver Nuggets. Walker Kessler to the Minnesota Grizzlies. I think that's a cool one, by the way. I don't think it's great. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine compared him to Cole Aldrich on steroids. Kessler is the NCAA's defensive player of the year, and he was the best shot blocker in college. We'll see if he can do much else. Um, they basically picked him because we're kind of seeing that Carl Anthony Towns has to play power forward, which is not great to have that happen like six years into the league when he's been all-star several times have to be a different position um david roddy was selected by the 76ers but he was traded to the grizzlies for de'anthony melton the 76ers also sent danny green's expiring contract over danny green tore his acl in the playoffs so he's probably going to come back in february ish if at all and probably won't do much then because the grizzlies are deep in their contenders and they don't want to work him in He'll be great in their locker room for a year. I hope his career isn't over, but I mean, he was on the Tar Heels like before the 2009 champions and he wasn't a freshman on that team. Um, David Roddy's really cool. I like that pick for the Grizzlies. D'Anthony Melton is kind of a lot of what the doctor ordered for the 76ers. They really want to trade Matisse Tybel in 23 for a player. They ended up trading 23 and Danny Green for a player. Matisse Tybel, you figure, still on the market. He's got non-zero value. D'Anthony Melton can dribble the ball, play a lot of defense, and they need that because James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are their top two guards, and they felt the loss of Seth Curry pretty badly. Not that Curry plays defense, but he plays guard, and he shoots, and he gave them something. They weren't getting much out of the guard spot. Marjan Beauchamp, we talked about to the Bucks. Blake, Wells, Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame, we talked about to the Spurs. 
Wendell Moore was selected by the Mavericks on behalf of the Rockets in the Christian Wood trade, and then that trade <laughs> went to the Minnesota Timberwolves because the Rockets traded back to take Ty Ty Washington, who we talked about. Wendell Moore, the fourth Duke player taken in the first round. He's a wing. He goes to the Timberwolves along, alongside Walker Kessler. Nikola Jovic with a V is a Miami Heat. Patrick Baldwin Jr., the next Kevin Durant, is a Golden State Warrior. They had old KD. They get new KD. They're going to win championships with both of them. Ty Ty Washington at 29 is a member of the Rockets, like we said. And Peyton Watson, the former five-star recruit, one of the best defenders in the class, who had an absolute nightmare season at UCLA, is the 30th pick of the first round, and he goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. This has been... Wait, I'm sorry. I thought so. Okay. This pick from Peyton Watson actually goes to the Nuggets from the Jermichael Green trade. Jermichael Green is a Thunder. The Nuggets get this pick. They package 21 to trade down because it's a money move, a lot of other things going on. It was it was one of those CBA cap pick protection, Sam Presti type of deals. Um, but the Nuggets get Peyton Watson... The Thunder hold on to pick 34, not 30. So the Nuggets get Peyton Watson, who's an awesome defender, and that's pretty big for them. Honestly, they kind of need roster spots in a weird way, considering they were like super deep. Like, oh, their young core has a young core. But things change. They get cooked on defense, obviously losing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. for the entire season. Hurt them last year pretty bad. Those guys come back. They're terrible defenders. Jamal Murray can lock down. I'm sorry, lock in and sometimes lock down for a possession. But those guys aren't good defenders. And when you bring back bad defenders, you need somebody who's good. And Peyton Watson, like I said, five-star recruit. He was supposed to be amazing. It was like, wow, home run for UCLA. They went to the Final Four. They're back. Johnny Juzane, Jaime Jaquez Jr., but those guys both kind of played Watson's position. Um, Tiger Campbell, Jules Bernard kind of also stepped on his toes. So it was a weird year for Payton Watson. And apparently he didn't want to come back. Not going to throw shade at McCronin. I don't know about his situation. But the Nuggets get a high upside guy and they get a defender. So, wow. Crazy night. Loved this night. I hope I touched on all 30 picks adequately. Some things just kind of mattered more than others. I'm sorry that teams like the Wizards are irrelevant. Um, thing I liked the most that I didn't really talk about, I love the Bulls, so I'm going to say Dale and Terry. Jake LaRavia is cool. Christian Brown, that's another type of thing similar to the Peyton Watson selection for the Nuggets. They pick two things. It clearly shows the direction they want to go in. Spurs, I talked about them too much. That's my favorite class. Jalen Williams, Usman Jiang, and Chet Holmgren. Potential to be a 12-run inning in three at-bats, you know, three grand slam type of thing for the Thunder. Jalen Williams hits, Usman Jiang hits, and Chet hits. That's three through five for a decade. And then hopefully one through five, one through two is Josh Giddey and Shea Gildas-Alexander. They could have four starters on rookie deals and eventually five guys with ceiling is the roof so you gotta love that and it helps them lose short term i know they want to get one more blue chip guy whether it be scoot henderson one of the thompson brothers victor Wembenyama. 
they, I mean, they still got so many picks. They traded three picks for 11, so they still got so many. I think it was 17, and so taking three tonight, what does that put them at? 13? They're killing it. They're killing it. Considering the ones they spent, it's a lot of math, but that checks out. Um, yes, I love you guys in real life. I know the meaning of the word. I know the weight of those words. It's true. This has been the Ball Things Considered Podcast. I am Hush at Blu-ray Hush. No E because we're not worried about the trademark until we get more famous. Uh, yeah. Check me out at The Dispatch. The D-Y-S-P-A-T-C-H dot com. Yup. You're... I'm getting back on the horn to say at pick 34, the Oklahoma City Thunder have just selected Jalen Williams again. J-A-Y-L-I-N Williams, the dog combination big out of Arkansas. This is better. Everybody was talking about what if the Nuggets select Nikola Jovic next to Nikola Jokic. Pray for their commentators. We have Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams on the same team. I call him Jalen Williams Santa Clara and Jalen Williams Arkansas. I don't think that's going to make as much sense when they're not at Santa Clara and Arkansas. So what are we going to call him? We're going to call him Jaylen Williams for the one with an E. Jaylen Williams, the one with an I. Jalen I. Jalen E. Oh, Summer League's going to be a lot of fun. Those guys are, <laughs> I mean, they're like the second, the third and fourth selections, both top 34 selections in the same class, same team. I love this stupid game because we have shit like that. The Jets have so many players like that. The Jets have two players with the first names. Same first same names also. And then they've got Wilson to Wilson. Quarterback wide receiver. It's so silly. You gotta love it. The Pacers, this is the last one. The Pacers had all three NBA players ever named TJ on the same team at the same time. The Pacers had TJ Warren, TJ McConnell, and TJ Leaf all at the same time. Nobody else has ever been named TJ. Man, I, I could keep going. Zach Wheeler and Zach Grinky. Like, I think the first two players named Zach.